I'm Stacy Toth. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne. And we'd like to invite you to come listen to our podcast, The Whole View. Each week, we follow the science for an in-depth answer to a listener-requested topic related to health and wellness. But we're not your typical health show. We're talking emotional and physical, looking at dozens of scientific studies to support our answers. You might be surprised what the science can tell us. When we share practical tips and embarrassing personal stories, we make sure no one is left thinking perfection is the goal. In fact, this one time at band camp... Uh uh, not now, Stacy. Oh, right. Sorry. I was about to get on a soapbox again. The whole view is exactly that. A comprehensive and holistic look at important topics that likely resonate with you. We also take a body positive approach. And instead of engaging in diet culture, we focus on what the actual medical research says are the healthiest choices in terms of diet, lifestyle, and non-toxic living. And we're not afraid to bust myths that are trending in health conscious communities. Join us to laugh and learn and just feel like you're hanging out with your two nerdiest besties. Check out the Whole View podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up on this episode, we are going to learn some stuff. Stuff that is either going to put your mind at ease or terrify you of a fiery death. I remember when I was little, uh, my parents driving us around these volcanoes. I was just staring at them, just so excited to be near them, thinking this is way too cool to be a real job. And the Mount St. Helens 19 eruption was one of those. So I think we're going to keep seeing occasionally things that we haven't seen before, and it's going to change the way we think. The power behind volcanoes with this magma that's racing up from kilometers below the surface is is so immense and so hard to imagine. And I, and I, I don't eat maple syrup all the time, but when I do, I like it to be log cabin, give me all the corn syrup and all the sugar you can fit into it. Let me, let, me, let me drink it all, eat it all, and I see light maple syrup. That's... Oh, goodness. It's just, just get over it. Because then they always feel like that sense of entitlement that, no, I'm different because I'm Karen. K-H-R-Y-O-N, Karen. Like, no, you're not. Uh, I knew a person who the dad was John and the wife was Veronica, so they named the kid Vajonica. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Something that continually fascinates me is just how much stuff I don't know. Or when I think I know about something, just how wrong my opinions are. And I'm not talking about really complicated things. I'm talking about basic stuff that you would think that over the course of my life, I'm in my mid-30s, that I just would have learned this. Things that are interesting, and I would have just accidentally picked this kind of information and knowledge up along the way. Turns out that didn't really happen, which is amazing to me, because I've always found volcanoes to be extremely interesting. Luckily, our first guest knows all about them. She's a volcanologist with the Smithsonian Global Volcanism Program, and not only... Does she have an amazing amount of knowledge? She has these incredible stories about being at the site of where eruptions are happening. And it turns out, volcanoes are kind of something we should be paying more attention to. This is Dr. Janine Krippner. Are all of us going to die anytime soon? Probably not. There's no kind of big threat looming or anything like that? 
Not that I know of, um, and certainly not in the world of volcanoes. Is that the kind of thing, though, that we would know about it? I mean, are we at that point where we can we can kind of predict these things pretty well? Kind of. So if you're talking about um, the largest types of eruptions, which are one of the most rare types of eruptions, um, it, there would be a lot of signals because in order to get these really, really big so-called super eruptions to to get going, you need to move a lot of really sticky, sluggish magma. So when that starts moving, we'd likely see a lot of seismicity or earthquakes as it's breaking through the rock, um, likely see changes in gas composition. These are all monitored. And you might start seeing deformation of, or changing of the surface of the volcanic area. So there are definitely these signs which we're um, well accustomed to looking out for. Are these this kind of signs, though, that we would see these like a day in advance, weeks in advance, years in advance? You know, we haven't seen one of these eruptions, so we don't have a clear answer for that. But we'd likely see, um, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I, I could make something up, but I won't because I honestly don't know. <laughs> Does that worry you that we don't know or are we just, that's okay that we don't know yet? I think it's okay. Um and I say that because, for example, Yellowstone, you know, that's the one that everyone worries about. It is so well monitored. And there are activity reports put out about this volcano all the time. So if activity started picking up above what's normal, you know, activity is always changing at these systems anyway, just because they're there. Um a lot more resources would be thrown at it. So we'd be measuring, by we, I mean USGS, not me, would be measuring every tiny movement that that thing made. And if things started looking like they were ramping up just like they did with Kilauea, they'd start putting out messages saying, hey, guys, we think something might be coming. And that's when emergency management, if something started to happen, might evacuate the park. Um, but the most likely thing to happen at Yellowstone is just steam explosions and lava flows. Um, those are by far the most common eruptions at Yellowstone or other super volcanoes. I, I do think that that's the one that always, I mean, for me, that I'm always the one that like, man, that's that kind of worries me a little bit. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, as as a volcanologist, I'm, I'm really not. Um, and that's not to say that we should have people working on it and trying to understand it and preparing for it because we should. You know, it's, it's a very, very remote possibility, but it's a high-impact event. So, of course, people are studying it. Um, in fact, a lot of people are working on it. So it's something that, even though isn't, it's not anywhere near my top list of main concerns, um, volcanologists are paying attention. I think that kind of leads into what would be on your list of main concerns. Gosh, around the world, there are so many. Um, there are, are over 1,400 potentially active volcanoes around the world. And by that, I mean volcanoes that have erupted within the last 10,000 years, which is pretty young, geologically speaking. Um, and that means they have the potential to erupt again anytime soon. And a lot of these are around really populated areas, especially in areas like Indonesia, Japan, the Philippines. There are even volcanoes in the United States, which I'd worry about a lot more than Yellowstone. When we when we would have one of these eruptions, is this anything that we could do anything about, or is it kind of just everybody get out of there? The eruptions are going to happen whether we like it or not, and they're actually 
a really positive thing. There are a lot of benefits that volcanoes give us, like the atmosphere we have, the water we have, fertile soils, um, tourism, beautiful places to live. So volcanoes are just a part of this planet. Do you actually know how many volcanoes are in an eruption phase today? Oh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> throw, throw out a couple guesses. I feel like I can't think of a single one, but I feel like the way that you're kind of hinting at it, there mu- there could be thousands. <laughs> well, not quite thousands. <laughs> <laughs> um, but today, with, it, with um, volcanoes around the world in an eruption phase, and by that I mean they've produced some kind of activity within three months or currently now, there are 47. Oh, wow. More than most people know. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought. I mean, I feel like, I guess, from my perspective, in the sense that, like, if a volcano is erupting, everybody would know immediately, and we would all be terrified. But it, I guess it's not that no. way. No, it's not at all. Um, for example, I'm writing a report right now on Pacaya Volcano in Guatemala, and this thing is producing lava flows all the time. <laughs> like, it's got new short, only up to a few hundred meter lava flows every other day. It's extremely active, and there are other volcanoes that are producing similar activity or small ash plumes all the time. Um, Volcanoes wake up and then go back to sleep. So there's a lot of activity around the world. It only gets into the media when something slightly abnormal, by slightly abnormal, I mean people perceive it to be slightly abnormal or it's it's impacting a population. But even then, there are eruptions which have caused entire islands to evacuate that don't make it into the news. Why do you think that is? I mean, why don't why why don't we pay more attention to it? It's just you know the the news cycle. There's always something on fire. There's always a dumpster fire going on with something. So if it's not going to attract views, it's not going to be on there. And um, a lot of these things just don't get out. Um, I do. I talk about a lot of ongoing activity on Twitter, although not so much recently as I've started a new job, but. Um, the Global Volcanism Program, which is where I work, we track this activity and we put it online and we put out weekly um, reports of activity updates every week. So if activity has changed in some way or if there's been notable activity, there are ways to kind of get, it, get the pulse of the eruptive state of the planet. I mean, are we more active now or less active than we have been in the recent past? I would imagine in the ancient past, so to speak, we were very active. Right now, it's completely normal, absolutely normal, and it fluctuates, Um, but with that uh, way of defining an eruption period, so something that's been active within three months, after three months of inactivity, we say the eruption is officially ended. Um, Using that way of defining an eruption, there are usually somewhere around 40 ongoing around the world, and that changes, give or take, you know, up to 10. Are, Are most of those above ground or are some of those underwater? Most of these are above, above ground. Um, we do report on underwater eruptions if they're potentially impacting areas or if we know about them, but we don't know about most of the activity under the oceans. It's just too deep. How did you, how did you get into this? Yeah, uh, I've always loved volcanoes. I don't remember how young I was when I fell in love with them, but I've always been fascinated by them. I grew up in New Zealand, so growing up around volcanoes, it was just something there um and when i was 13 years old i was introduced to the concept of a volcanologist and that was it do you remember kind of your first big experience with them i remember 
the North Island of New Zealand, we have several large volcanoes. We have Ruapehu, which produced eruptions in the 90s um, and mud flows more recently. And we have Tongariro, which has this beautiful young cone, um, Naruhoe. And I remember when I was little, uh, my parents driving us around these volcanoes, and I was just staring at them, just so excited to be near them, thinking this is way too cool to be a real job. Just wishing I could spend more time with volcanoes. Um, But I didn't actually see an eruption until 2013 um, when I was in Japan. And that was pretty fantastic. I was on the volcano, on Sakurajima volcano, and I now have a cat called Sakura. So clearly that was impactful. What what do you mean you were there for? Like you were on the volcano, like at the cone? You weren't, that doesn't seem safe in any way. Yeah. Yeah, Sakurajima is one of these volcanoes that produces small ash plumes very frequently. Um, It does have more active periods and less active periods, but it was just producing plumes up, ash plumes up to a few kilometers in height. It did this multiple times a day. So it was pretty normal activity. There are actually people that live on the volcano. School children um, wear yellow safety helmets when they're walking to and from school. Uh, It's a pretty neat place to visit. It's kind of amazing what we can adapt to and the things that we can get around and stuff. Um, it is, and sometimes that can actually be very dangerous because we get used to it. Do you when you were up there, does it shake? Like what is what does it feel like? Um with this particular volcano because it produces these so frequently, it's essentially an open path to the surface. So you don't feel anything and depending on wind direction, you don't even hear anything. Um, but with volcanoes that aren't so open, so volcanoes that haven't erupted so frequently, you definitely can feel seismicity on the volcano, so earthquakes as the rock is breaking or as the magma is moving through. Because magma is pretty thick. Like uh, people think of, you know, running lava, but it's still pretty thick. You can still, like, it's very viscous, like thicker than road tar thick. So getting that stuff moving, wedging its way through rock as it pushes its way to the surface is is making a lot of noise seismically. So you could feel that. Um, Sometimes people sense it. They feel a bit bit of motion sickness because their inner air, I think, is sensing these earthquakes even if you can't feel it. And sometimes they're incredibly loud as well. So every volcano is different and they have mood swings just like we do. Have you ever been to one an eruption that's kind of like the movie scene eruption where it's just this boom? Not yet. Watch this space. <laughs> D- does 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 that ever really happen? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one of the more some of the more recent ones, uh, Cinnabung volcano just stopped erupting last year for now um that produced quite a few decent eruptions that had ash plumes up to a few kilometers in the sky and pyroclastic flows running down the slopes and what a pyroclastic flow is it's it's a very very fast moving very hot avalanche of rock and volcanic gas and they can destroy everything in their path so they're extremely dangerous things and that's that's mainly your main area of study right it is yeah Yeah, um, after I found out what a volcanologist was in geography class, um, our teacher put the movie Dante's Peak on. And in the final eruption scene of that movie, there's a big pyroclastic flow. And I saw that. And like any normal 13-year-old girl, I decided that's what I was going to study for the rest of my life. That's so interesting how just like a little tiny thing like that can set you on a path forever. Yeah, it was like, this is what I'm doing. That this is it. 
I'm done. <laughs> now, when you study them, are you studying what's in it, how they move? Like, what are you studying about them? Uh, my research has been looking at what's in them. So they leave quite, they can leave quite thick deposits of broken rock, um, especially the type that I study, uh, which are block and ash flows. And those particularly form from when you have these domes of viscous lava, so yeah, pretty much solid lava growing upwards at a volcanic vent. And these are very unstable and they can collapse into these avalanches of rock that's breaking up as it's going and it has this billowing plume of volcanic ash, which is broken up rock crystals and glass, by the way. Most people think it's fluffy. It's definitely not fluffy um, above them. So they're incredibly dangerous. And I've also used satellite data, remote sensing, to study um, the temperatures of them, uh, the dome collapses, where the, where the domes are actually breaking apart, as well as how far they go and how wide they're going and the distribution so we can understand where they might go in the future. What do you think are some misconceptions that people, specifically probably me, have had in the last couple of minutes? But what are some misconceptions about them? People think this is the case, but it's not, or something like that. You've actually addressed some of them already. Thank you. Um, the amount of activity around the world. When there's more than one volcano in the news, people are concerned that activity is increasing when really it's just media coverage. And we have social media now, so a lot of these things are on Twitter and Facebook instantly. Um an interesting one for me to realize was that people think unless there's lava, like red hot lava or fire coming out of a volcano, they don't produce fire or smoke, um, that a volcano isn't actually erupting. But an eruption can be, um, when it's more explosive magma, it's blowing itself apart, like shaking up a bottle of Coke and releasing it. That foam you have coming out of the bottle is the gas bubbles expanding so fast that they're ripping the liquid, the coke, apart. That's what explosive eruptions are doing. There's a lot of gas trapped in magma. So when it is depressurized, when it gets to the surface, if there's a lot of gas and it's sticky, it'll blow itself apart into volcanic ash. I mean, do they ever kind of erupt at the base necessarily or not out the top? Does that ever happen where like it jams up and it just comes out the does that make any yeah. sense what I'm asking you? Yeah, yeah, no, it does. Um, we saw that with Kilauea last year. Uh, it was it, it started erupting on the rift, on the rift zone, down on the flank of the volcano. Um, so, yeah, that does happen. And we can see that if we're watching, if we have enough funding to have good monitoring, um, you can see deformation occurring on the side of the volcano sometimes. So those will give signs if we're watching to see them before that happens as well. In terms of like our knowledge of them, say one is we know absolutely nothing, 10, we know absolutely everything. Where do you think that we probably are right now? Wow, that's a really good question. You know, I don't know because there's always the thing of what don't we know? We don't know what we don't know yet, right? But there's a lot that we don't know. Like what actually triggers an eruption? Um, we don't know, we can't tell how long an eruption is going to last. Um, we can't tell how big an eruption is going to be. We can have estimates, and some estimates are pretty damn good, but we can't even pinpoint exactly when a volcano is going to erupt. But in saying that, we can look at the probabilities of what might happen. We can look at what the volcano has done in the past. We can use all this amazing technology that we have, all this different specialized area of science that we have, 
and we can say there's an X amount of chance that this is going to happen. And that in itself is absolutely amazing because volcanic systems, we're talking about magma up to tens of kilometers below the crust that we can't see. Trying to figure out what that is going to do in the future when it's constantly changing. Do you, do you think, I know this is also kind of a really difficult question to answer, but do you think that we'll ever know all that we need to know? Because it seems like we can't, it's like now we can't dig down into the Earth's crust. Like, can we even find these things out? I don't think so. You know, I think we can get pretty close. I think we can have incredible models. But then things change and we see things we haven't seen before, like Kilauea, the 2018 eruption last year was one of those. Um, the Mount St. Helens 19 eruption was one of those. So I think we're going to keep seeing occasionally things that we haven't seen before and it's going to change the way we think, which is great. That's what science is. I want to know if this maybe concerns you, but I work in the news business for my day job. I don't even remember that the 2018 eruption. Do you think that our memory have we, do we have too short of a memory? Like, is this going to become a problem for us? Oh, it's a problem across all hazards. Um, you know, look at the big earthquakes we've had recently in California over the last two decades. Most people don't remember when those were. So most people can't grasp that a large earthquake is going to happen again. It's the same thing with volcanoes, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, landslides, we have much too short of a, uh, of a memory about these things. But, you know, we all have our everyday fires that we're fighting, whether it's putting food on the table or meeting deadlines. There's just too much to focus on. So it's the, you know, it's the responsibility of scientists and working with media to help people to remember these things. The climate change, is, is that, can that affect the volcanoes? Does the volcanoes Not affect that? Most, or? Mostly no. That's a good question. So I say mostly no because it could affect some volcanoes if those volcanoes are located under thick ice sheets and those ice sheets melt. So that would reduce pressure. And going back to that coke analogy, if you reduce the pressure, that gas can start to come out, the magma can start to make its way up. Um, but that's pretty rare. We don't have a lot of volcanoes under thick ice at the moment. Um, when it comes to volcanoes impacting climate, that's also pretty rare. So there are several things that are needed for a volcano to impact climate. And that's the size of eruption. It has to be big enough. It has to produce enough gases. And those gases have to get high enough into the atmosphere. And it also has to be the right air plant pace on the planet. So if it's closer to the equator, for example. And the season also matters. So it's a pretty complicated process. And when it does impact climate, it's usually only for a few years. Oh, I guess that I guess in terms of, you know, the geological time span, that's not really much time, but yeah, it's nothing. It's, <laughs> it's nothing. When is the last really the was it Mount St? Well, there's 2018 and then Mount St. Helens. But have we really even been through a really big one? Yeah, I would say um, in the last century, the two biggest one was in America. Um, that was the Katmai Nova Raptor eruption. Um, but the most recent one was Pinatubo in 1991. That was a huge eruption. Um, and USGS, the United States Geological Survey, was actually part of that effort at figuring out what the volcano was going to do. And they were right. And so many people were evacuated out of the dangerous area because of that work. Where Do you feel like in terms of the funding required to study these, 
Do we need, I mean, obviously everybody would, I think would always say, yes, we need more, but are we adequately funding? Like, are we doing enough to try and figure out what's going on? No, we're not. Um, and that's not even just looking at basic research. Um, but looking at the United States, for example, there are 156, I think, active volcanic centers, and that's including Alaska and Hawaii. But there are um, very young, potentially active volcanoes in California, Washington, Oregon, um, Arizona has recent volcanoes, there's Yellowstone and areas around there. And a lot of these volcanoes are not well monitored at all. But there was just, um, I think, oh God, I'm just going to screw this up because of my not being an American, but I think a bill was introduced recently to um, help funding in these areas. But no, it's not enough. You know, in order to look at one specific volcano and understand what it might do, we need to know the history of that specific volcano. They're all different. They all produce different eruptions at different rates over time. So even the most basic research of understanding what a volcano's done in the past, from deep down into the magma chamber all the way to the surface, that takes time and resources. How do you even study them? Do you use... Is it essentially you're just, yeah, I, didn't, I don't even know. <laughs> um, a lot of uh, geology is really important. So looking at rocks, looking at folk rocks have a lot of minerals or crystals in them. And within those minerals and crystals, that tells us about where, where that formed, what it did along the way. It can even trap little bits of gas and melt from really deep down in it. And that can tell you a lot about what the magma did before it get to the, got to the surface and about how it erupted. So looking at the rocks themselves, there are so, so many things you can learn from a rock using different technology. And then we look at the volcanoes themselves. So how many eruptions have there been over time? How big were these eruptions? What kind of eruptions were they? What areas did they impact? So just looking at the volcanoes tells us a lot about what the volcano might do next. At this point, I mean, are there any that, okay, this is the next big one? Uh I, I couldn't tell you which one's most likely to erupt next. I don't know. But one that I am worried about is Rainier. So Rainier up in northern Washington, that volcano, if you think of that volcano, you think of this beautiful, snowy, icy volcano. And all of that ice, the huge amount of ice on that volcano can melt into lahars. And what a lahar is, is it's a mud flow. Um, it, and these mud flows can also carry rocks very large rocks and trees and anything else they pick up and it wouldn't even take an eruption to get one of those going um these there are a lot of people living in the path of these things so if these happen it could be devastating but 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 there is a lot of work being done on preparing people but is that really all that we can do is kind of prepare people because it doesn't seem like there's really anything you can do about i mean the earth's going to do what the earth wants yeah, it's really important in that case to have early warning systems. And that's what USGS has been trying to get more funding for and has already been working on. So if a lahar or a mud flow starts at the volcano, we know how fast these things can move depending on the sizes. Um, and we know the range of sizes they can produce. So we can run computer models to simulate how much time you might have depending on how far away from the volcano you are. So if the early morning early warning system is triggered, then that warning can go all the way down the path of where these might go and people can get out of the way. But 
it's really important with these early warning systems to not just have the science. It's not just about the science. It's about the social science. It's about emergency management and first responders. It's about local and larger government. You're having everyone coordinated so that you do so that they can react fast because people can only have minutes if they're closer to the volcano or less. Man, that, that is not what people do well, though. That's the only... No. It's really not. When you look look back on it, what what would be your most memorable experience in regards to a volcano? Like the thing that if you had to pick one thing. Oh, you ask really good and tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> I I I actually have a I have three. Okay, but I'll pick one. Um, I when I when I knew I wanted to be a volcanologist, one of the stories that I really gravitated towards was the Mount St. Helens 1980 eruption. Not just the eruption itself and the science, but how it impacted people. I love people. I love the people volcano interaction of the science. And I finally actually got to visit Mount St. Helens in 2013, and it was a volcano I didn't, you know, growing up in New Zealand, I never thought I'd actually go and see. And Arriving up at Johnson Ridge, you walk up this hill and then it opens up and Mount St. Helens is right in front of you. And seeing the enormous scale of the devastation that occurred in 1980 and how how much of the volcano is gone from that eruption. There was a huge flank collapse. A lot of the volcano collapsed and produced this huge eruption. Seeing that left me absolutely speechless. Can we even kind of comprehend the power that 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 these volcanoes produce? It's it's pretty hard. Um, you know, these things are multiple multiple Hiroshima bombs going off every second. The power behind volcanoes with this magma that's racing up from kilometers below the surface is is so immense and so hard to imagine. What causes the volcano to erupt? Like, what pushes the magma up? that makes it happen? At first, it's density. So once you start having magma forming, rock actually melting, because we're not, we're not sitting on a, a pool of melted rock. Most of it's solid. Once you start getting bits of magma actually being made, it's less dense than the solid rock around it. So because of density, like pouring oil into water, that starts to rise. But once you get much, much closer to the surface, it's really the gas that's the main driver. It's that gas coming out that will build pressure, like shaking up a bottle of Coke before you open it. You can notice you can't really squeeze the bottle anymore. There's pressure in that bottle now. That's what a volcano is doing as it's leading to an eruption. And at some point, it's going to reach the point where all of that magma is coming out, whether you like it or not. Are you ready for the hard questions? Yes, I hope so. What is the best volcano-themed movie? Dante's Peak. I was going to go Joe's. Where, where do you, how do you feel about Joe versus the volcano? You know, I, God, I, I've, I watched that movie a couple decades ago, and I don't even remember it, so I need to go back and watch it. <laughs> we are huge Tom Hanks fans on this show. That is, He's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Not fantastic enough to remember the movie, I guess, though, huh? Um, oh, I, I think it was more the volcano that turned me off. Um, if I, I don't remember why. I just remember not being impressed. Can you watch the which, – which one would be like the most historically or like, okay, that could actually happen. That's what Dante's that would look – It is Dante's Peak. But in saying that, there's a lava flow in that movie that never should have happened. 
these Hollywood people, they can never get everything right, can they? But like I said, you got to have a lava flow with everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What um what is your favorite volcano? Like this the one that like this one is the coolest. I have two even um first. That's Mount St. Helens and Narahoi in New Zealand, which is also Mount Doom on Lord of the Rings. But that's not why it's my favorite. This leads me into our next question. Since you are you're from New Zealand, correct? I am. Better thing to come out of New Zealand, Lord of the Rings, Flight of the Concords. Oh, I can't answer that. I feel like I'd be betraying my country with either answer. Listen, you're living here in the States now. you got to pick one. I can't. <laughs> both equal? <laughs> yeah, both equal. I'll go with that. <laughs> okay, if, oh, how about this question then? If you are f- living in New Zealand, like which one do they mention first? Which one is first on the tourism brochure? Like New Zealand, where Lord of the Rings was filmed, or New Zealand, home of Flight of the Concords? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Lord of the Rings. But when I moved to the States, right, people, the crazy amount of people just started talking at me in, Lord of, in Flight of the Concords quotes. We love it. We love so it. It's confusing. <laughs> it's, we do really love it. Is there really a thing between like New Zealand and Australia doesn't don't like each other? We're like, it's, it's a sibling rivalry type relationship. When you tell people that you're a volcanologist, when is the last time somebody thought that you studied something from Star Trek? Yesterday. Are you serious? It happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you say to that? Um, I usually laugh and give the, what is the hand symbol? I, I'm not I'm not a the, huge Star Trek fan. The, like, it's I know. not that I don't like it. I just don't watch it. So <laughs> I play along. They don't. It's just amazing to me that somebody would just completely like, oh, Vulcans from Star Trek. You study that all the time. <laughs> so common. So what? I normally just say I study volcanoes instead of saying I'm a volcanologist. Yeah, that seems like it would be easier. Is there anything else that you think that we missed? Anything that just fascinates you about them that you think people would find really interesting, or anything you got coming up? Oh, that's so good. I think something that blows people away is there are 800 million people living in within 100 kilometers of a potentially active volcano. Like the sheer amount of people that are impacted by volcanic eruptions every year blows my mind. And the fact that most people are so unaware of it. What is the best name for a volcano then? Which one do you think has the coolest name? Uh, There's Blup Blup and Kick'em Jenny. Those are pretty good. There's also Kick'em Jack next to Kick'em Jenny. Where are those at? Uh, those are in the Caribbean, and uh, Blop Blop is over by Papua New Guinea. I'm, I feel like now something that, like, if I get a dog, it has to be named Blop Blop or something like that. <laughs> it's high on my list of animal names. That's It's, it's a it great be, name. Right? <laughs> yes, it should be. I want to thank Dr. Janine Krippner so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her social media accounts where you can learn all about her and a lot more about volcanoes on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We've also provided some links and information about her on our RSS feed. All you have to do is basically just look down on the information about this podcast, and you'll find it right there. Really quick, spoiler alert. 
because nothing major has happened yet on Game of Thrones, we are continuing our Game of Thrones contest. All you have to do is head over to profoundlypointless.com. You'll find all of the rules and how to enter and everything like that over there. Basically, all you need to know is if you can get what is going to happen right, or at least be the closest person to getting it right, you could win as much as $500. Okay, so now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. And usually we do random animal facts when he says something that I just really think is awkward or I don't really know how to respond to. Instead, I'm going to tell bad animal jokes and see how long it takes for him to get it. Hello. How do you feel about volcanoes? Are we talking about a literal volcano or a figurative volcano? What's a figurative volcano? Uh, I mean, I have no issues. I think they're a little overrated. How are they overrated? Well, I mean, I- I've never been a part of one, so take that for what it is, obviously. But, uh, you know, I, as, as far as I know, uh, geologists have uh, enough time to warn people to get away, right? No. And then you, you always... They don't have they don't have the technology to warn people like when they're going to explode. No, that's a big problem. Oh, I, I thought I thought that they have like seismographs or or seismic readings that show like when the when it's about to explode. I guess they don't. No, they don't. They don't really know when it's actually. They know when it's kind of making some noise, but they don't. They don't know when it's actually going to erupt. Oh, well, I guess then my point is mute. But I was going to say, uh, regardless. What pisses me off about volcanoes aren't even the volcanoes themselves. It's those people that they interview that are like, I'm not leaving my home. I've been living here for 50 years. Ain't no molten lava going to take me out. And then they're like the one person that dies. Yeah, that's basically how it always goes. I think that some of those people, though, if they're older, they just don't know what else to do. Maybe they don't have family. But if you're under the age of, let's say, 60, you just need to leave your house. You got to get out of there. I know, I know you asked me about, about volcanoes, but it's like the, like the same thing, you know, living, you know, in a coastal state or, or, you know, more or less Florida, where for days they talk about hurricanes, you know, board up or leave. You always have these fucking idiots who are like, I'm going to stay here and ride out the storm. It's only 200 mile an hour winds. I just would like to be or have a camera in that person's house at the moment that they realized, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. I done messed up. <laughs> when when do you think that moment is? Like like after something's blown off their house or into their house or like the next morning when they wake up and like they look around and everything's destroyed and they're like, "Oh, well, I probably should have left." I think for a person that's that's of the intellectual state where they would think it's a good idea to stay, it has to be very direct. Like they have to almost get killed the blade of a lawnmower has to get blown right directly and cut off the top of their hair before that person realizes wow i should have left before this hurricane hit what are you eating (laughs) what are you doing i'm not eating anything what are you doing moving a a plastic bag out of the way why is the plastic bag in the way uh because i was going to sit down and it was in the seat i was sitting in what kind of plastic bag are we talking about uh, a shopping plastic bag from the lovely store of Meyer. Why would you leave that just sitting on your seat? What's in it? 
I there wasn't anything, and I didn't leave it on the seat. That's why I was moving it. Who did? Who would just leave a plastic bag on a seat for no reason? I mean, there's only two adults in the house, so I'm gonna blame it on my wife. What was what was in the bag before that? You didn't ask any questions. You guys just leave random plastic bags laying around the house. I mean, how how am I supposed to know? I don't know why it was there or what was in it. There was just a plastic bag there. Is your wife there? Uh, she is sleeping, I believe, or, or ignoring me, one of the two. <laughs> probably ignoring you. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> probably what, ignoring me. There's a high chance that it's, that it's ignoring you. Which, which, you know, that, I'm glad, I'm glad she got brought up kind of not on purpose, because we need to address a serious problem. Okay. And I posted it on Facebook, uh, and that is, the other day, uh, I, I'm going to make something... I believe for dinner, I believe, and uh, I'm going through my sauces, which I have like you know in the refrigerator, and I always put like the the heavy the heavy stuff on like on the bottom, like Hershey syrup or or maple syrup. I like how your various sauces. I'm sorry, man, but that's such a fat kid thing to have your sauces be chocolate syrup. I mean, it's a bigger bottle, so it's the bottom shelf. Let me get my sauces. It's just chocolate syrup dumped anyway, all over you, everything. If, if you don't have any chocolate syrup in your fridge right now, then you're not a man. You're, I, not, you're not. You're not. A, you're not a good person. I have chocolate syrup. I have Hershey's specifically. Oh well, me too. But I don't understand why it makes me the fat kid. Because you refer to it as your sauces, like it's a daily occurrence that, hmm, time to have my morning cereal, let me get my cereal sauce, and you're just <laughs> dumping Hershey's chocolate syrup all over it. I mean, I've done that before. I, I still may do that some at some points. Anyways, getting back on track, I, I go to look, you know, I, I just give it a glance, and I notice that the log, log, log cabin bottle is not the normal log cabin bottle. Uh-oh. And I, I mean, I'm getting hot now. Like, before I even know what's going on, like, I'm starting to sweat. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can imagine. Like, I bend down in a squat, which, if you know me, that's hard to do. And, like, I'm looking at the bottle, and it's fucking light maple syrup. I walk over to the sink, dump it out, before I present the evidence to my wife. Wow. And I say, what is this? Why are you so mad about it? She's looking out for your health, or she bought the wrong bottle on accident. There, there are very few things that I am, I, I am particular about. Very, very few things. One of those things happens to be, and I, and I, I don't eat maple syrup all the time, but when I do, I like it to be log cabin. Give me all the corn syrup and all the sugar you can fit into a, a fucking syrup bottle. Let me, let me, let me drink it all, eat it all. And I see light maple syrup. That's oh goodness! Did you did you ask for a divorce right then and there? I mean, I didn't have to. She, but you know what? Because my wife is who she is, and I, I think both of our wives would have acted similar. I mean, she owned it. She owned it. She said, of course I bought light. You know, we're, we're trying to lose some weight, blah, blah, blah. So then, I mean, that sends me into another level. Not only were you insulting me by buying light maple syrup, now you're saying I'm too fat to have re regular maple syrup. Well, yeah, that's that's pretty much a, I mean, that's pretty much a fact, now, yeah. Now I'm fucking hot, you know? 
Now, so I told her if she does this again, you know, papers could be coming her way. I think that really the issue is yours. You're having a hard time facing a hard truth. Nope, nope. I know where you're going to go with this, and and no. I can still see my penis. We're good. Yeah, but can you see the whole thing, or can you only see parts of it? (laughs) I don't really want to say this out loud, but fuck it. Uh, I, I can see all of it, believe it or not. Do you have to suck in? No, I don't have to suck in. You're, you can stand I, there straight, and you can look down and see the whole thing. Yeah, like, surprisingly, I don't have, like, I'm a big guy, but I must have done something right from 20 to 25, because I, I don't have a big hangover yet. I'm on my way, but it's not there yet. Well, you kind of go sideways. Uh, you mean, like, broad? Like a like a pear. Yes, goddamn. I am a, I'm literally if you've never met me, I'm an upside down pair. <laughs> it's it's actually shocking how accurate that is. But see, this brings me into a point that I wanted to talk about a little bit, and it's the idea of people who are passionate about something or really want to do something or are really interested in doing something and do everything except the one thing that they actually need to do. Because two times this week, I ran into somebody that was extremely religious and they talk about religion, they talk about Jesus, they talk about Easter, but they don't go to church. And then somebody was getting on me about, hey, here's your nutrition. You need to eat better food. You need to eat organic. You need to eat this. And then they go light up a cigarette. And then they have you who is trying to lose weight, but that you won't actually do anything that involves losing weight. I mean, you just threw like three completely different yet the same scenarios out. It's basically this idea of people who will do everything except the one thing that they're supposed to actually do. Well, the religious thing, I mean, I can't comment really because I'm not religious, but I think anyone who preaches and tries to put on or or make you learn something about something should have some kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, something to back it up with. And if you're trying to oppress religion and you don't study it actively, I mean, you're not credible at all. Well, that's not really – I mean that's a fairly decent thought that you have there. But I'm more along the lines of what do you think about people who will do everything but the one thing that they're supposed to do? Like why do well, you I mean, think I, people I'm do guilty. that? I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I mean I, you're probably guilty of it. I stand, I, stand in the, I stand in front of the mirror every day and I go, man, I need to work out today. And what, literally what's the one fucking thing I probably don't do is work out. I eat dinner. I sleep. I take a shit. I go to work, I hang out with my kid, my wife, I talk to my friends, but what I watch TV, but what's the one thing I can't carve out 30 minutes to do that I probably need more than anything? Yeah, it's amazing. I just don't I, I don't have a and I like I don't have a good answer. There's no reason why I can't carve out 30 minutes to do it. But I just don't do it. Like so I I mean the uh you know the diet thing, I mean I don't know. I feel like as you get older and and the more family members you have in your house, the harder it is to stay on a, like a strict diet. I would agree with that, especially with small children because they just yeah, eat so, ice cream all the time. And this is what you're not – I'm not going to sit there and eat ice cream with a three-year-old. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And though my kid isn't that old uh, currently, I can see like somewhere down the line like her getting really upset if I'm not eating – ice cream with her so of course i'm gonna eat ice cream with her how do you think a penguin builds its house (laughs) wow you're just ping-ponging the shit out of me today um it glues it together 
I knew you were going to say that. I was trying to think of some stupid ass igloo thing. What do you so, call what do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? An irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't even want to laugh at these. What do you mean? They're gold. <laughs> They're not golden. You sound like a three-year-old. This is gold. I have a real question for you. Okay. Are you are you good, or would you say that you are good at things that don't matter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, lots of things that don't matter. Most of the things that I, w- I would say that I'm good at don't matter. For instance, me and some of my friends here in Michigan have recently started playing ping pong. I would disagree with the fact that ping pong doesn't matter. I'm an issue with that right away. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's it's a recreational sport that literally proves nothing. Well, I mean, all sports prove nothing. What sport? It's not any more or less worthless than any other sport. Like, you can't be like, oh, you play ping pong? How dumb is that? I'm over here putting a ball in a basket. Well, uh, uh, let, let, let me rephrase. Let me... It's not, it's not that it's worthless or useless, but, like, for us to do it and be good at it means nothing. Now, if we were getting paid for it, like what we do for the, for this podcast, shout out to Long John Silvers, say what? Long John uh, Silvers did come through. We're going to be doing a special giveaway with what Long John <laughs> Silvers sent us here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, is, is you know, it, we, we had this discussion amongst friends as, like, we're really good at things that don't matter, but I don't think any of us are good at anything that does matter, but then again, none of us could really come up with what those things that matter are. Being a doctor, I would say that's that's something that's really important to be good at. Other than that, I mean, it's it's hard but to we, really... But we're all in professions that, I mean, we're all decent at our professions, and we all do something for the world, so like, or the world. Like, our communities. So, you know, like, you're a reporter, and though I think you're terrible, someone thinks you're good. Or cheap. (laughs) Or cheap, one of the two. Uh, You know, so it's like, I don't know, it's just one of those questions that, you know, it's like you can't answer it, but yet it makes a lot of sense. I don't think that we necessarily recognize the impact that things have in the long run. Like, okay, let's say you're a professional ping pong player. That seems to be pretty pointless, but there's a lot of people who like ping pong. Maybe ping pong is what saved them from depression or something like that. Like, I think that we don't realize necessarily the way that the things that we do impact other people. I mean, I, I would agree. Like, for instance, how you answer text messages. You have no idea how that, you know, affects others, but it does. <laughs> I just like to get you fired up. That's oh, all. Man. You are literally one of, you know, because for anyone who doesn't know this, that, that maybe is listening to this for the first time, Nick continuously gives me shit for me being a bad, uh, I don't know, texter. You ignore them. Because you, you ignore them, it's obvious that you ignore them. But I, but the last three weeks or whatever, I've been great at getting back to you. Mm, let's not push it that far. Let's, let's, let's push it. Well, let's push it my, to decent. My, hold on. Mind you, we're on a three hour time difference. So when you text me, at 9 o'clock, your time, it's midnight my time. I'm in bed. You are not. That's a lie. Well, I'm doing other things that I don't want to tell you about. <laughs> so anyway, so I've been, I've been really good lately about getting back to Nick. And he, mm. he now has taken upon himself to basically turn the tables with one-word answers or smart-ass answers. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm just I, I'm just wondering what, when they're going to stop. That's all. Well, never. I mean, this is my personality. I don't see it changing anytime soon. Really, when you get down to it, here's okay. Well, that's that's a shame. Look, here's what I want to ask you about. How do you feel? So recently, I have discovered this computer program called Streak, which essentially it's an add-on to Google Chrome. You can download it, and it will show you if you install it when you send an email who has read it, when they have read it, where they read it, what kind of device they read it on. It's basically technological stalking. <laughs> when I showed you, after I sent you an email, everything that shows up on that, how do you feel about the fact that basically everything that you do is tracked and analyzed? This is going to sound like a, a bullshit answer, but like, I, I already know that. Yeah, that's how I feel about it too. I'm kind of like, yeah, they've already, they've already, I don't worry about identity theft because everybody's already got it. Ten years ago, I mean, I would have been worried about giving my credit card out, you know, over the internet or, God, maybe it was even 15 years ago now. I don't remember when, but now it's, you know, I mean, I've had my identity stolen five times, I think. It's, it's not a matter of like, can it? I think it's just when it will happen. I mean, I, I like to make the joke that if, if someone's going to steal my identity, I feel sorry for them. Yeah, who, who, who would, why would they steal yours? I feel like if someone like goes to steal my identity, if they even give a shit about who they're stealing, they would be like, wow, we don't want that fucking guy's life. Actually, here's 20 grand into your bank account. Who's, who's your bank that you get your identity stolen that much? Like, are you just putting it in a mattress on the corner? Uh, so three times it was through Bank of America. Okay. And the other two was uh, PNC. POS is what it should be. <laughs> I don't bank with Bank of America anymore, but uh, actually PNC is still my main bank. So, and I, I haven't had any issues, knock on wood, uh, in the last five years or so. Well, that's fascinating. There's two goldfish that are sitting in a tank. You what? asked me a question. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to go into a fucking long list about the pros and cons of your banking accounts. I mean, there's two goldfish sitting in a tank. What does one of them say to the other? I have no idea. Do you know how to drive this thing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, you you realize no one's going to listen to this episode, right? Once you start going on these jokes, though, they get funnier and funnier. John's Fast Five. Pew, 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 pew. John's Fast Five. Pew, 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 pew. John's Fast Five. My God! My God! In a second. Wait. My, Shh. This isn't going to work while he's out awake. You know that, right? Do you have a Fast Five? What's going on? No, I thought we abandoned the Fast Five for, for conversation. Okay, well, what's your conversation topic? What are you I mean, bringing to this show content-wise this week? I mean, first off, I, I think I need to give a kudos to my social media skills. I've I've gotten so much better just in the last two weeks, just trying. All you have to do is try, kids. Yeah, that's Things what's amazing about it. That goes back to my original conversation of like you always want to do stuff and you always say that you want to be more involved in the podcast, but that you would never actually do anything up until about well, two weeks ago. Well, see, because here, here's the thing. is like normally I'm not like a big, 
you know, like, let me get out there and be the face of things. Like, I, I like being behind the scenes, like setting up the interviews or doing the interviews. However, geographically, that can't happen right now. Yeah. So, like, I'm trying to be better at the whole social media thing. It's going to take some time. I want to do it for you because I care about you. I would say that I will give you a little bit of credit. On a scale of 1 to 10, you have moved from a 1 to a solid 1.6. You know what? I'll take it because (laughs) you don't want to be below a 1.6 because then they can't feel anything. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) 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 What do you mean? What do you mean by that? <laughs> micro penis. Here's the, the thing. Way. Let's let's have an honest conversation. Have you ever met someone or know of someone with a micro penis? Uh, <laughs> I I I I've I've known someone who claims that they've had it, but I've never actually seen it. And I <laughs> I actually I don't even want to say that story. So I'm gonna Wait a minute. What how do you what do you mean someone who claims to have had a micro penis? That's not something that like that's not you don't throw that out there. Like, what do you mean claims to have a micro penis? So, uh, it was a, uh, I think I was a sophomore in college, and we had taken, a bunch of us had taken a trip up to Michigan State uh, to go to a party, and we walk into this party, and it was it was all right, and like, I go to the keg, and I grab a beer, and there's this guy standing here, and we start making small talk, and he's like, hey, watch this, I'm going to go talk to these girls, and he does it, and he comes back, he has two phone numbers, and I'm like, all right, this guy knows what he's doing. He goes, yeah, I'm never going to call him because I have a micro penis. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, that, that was it. That was, I, I was like, well, all right. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll see you out there then, champ. Yeah, how do you, what's the follow-up to that? <laughs> First, I, like, I don't know what he was trying to prove. Maybe, I mean, because God knows I wasn't going to get their numbers. Was he a good, do you remember, was he, like, a, was he a good-looking dude, or did he just have game? Yeah, I mean. I mean, he was average. I mean, he wasn't. Let me put it this way: like when you, I can't believe we're going to have a, a conversation about micro penises. First off, secondly, let me ask you: when you think of someone with a micro penis, what's the first like body characteristic characteristic you think of? I'm I'm imagining a lot of hair gel. <laughs> okay, well, so I'm thinking of somebody that's a large man. Yeah, this person was neither of those things. That I can remember. He definitely wasn't fat, and he had a hat on. What color were his eyes? I don't remember. Thank God. Yeah, I don't. I feel like the only appropriate, the only appropriate response after someone tells you they have a micro penis is to ask to see it. <laughs> well, I didn't, so I guess I fucked up there. But uh, um, have you ever known someone with a micro penis other than yourself? <laughs> I dated a girl. Who had a boyfriend who had one, and okay. she she said about what you would expect. She said that he was very competitive about everything that they did. He was very ashamed of it, um, not ashamed maybe. He was very insecure about it, and so what, he drove so a what, big truck. But uh, like what like what is this like what is the definition of a micro penis? Like below two inches? I would assume so. I would think it's probably like maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I would think. But okay, so I'm looking at I'm looking at my. Put this in my tease. No, this week's episode. Maybe, I'm looking at my fingers. So if you're listening to this, look at your fingers. I think the the biggest finger that might be 
too long for a micro penis. Maybe the second pad on the big finger and shorter would be micro penis status. I would think probably two inches or less. I mean, listen, I'm I'm two and a quarter, and you know they say they still can't feel anything so. <laughs> on a good day. <laughs> with, with, I mean, I'm thru- I'm thrusting like the Titanic into the iceberg. You know with what I'm a, saying? With a wind at your back. <laughs> well, I need something because you know. I'm looking this up right now. Micro. <laughs> oh my god. Penis. This this has to be. I no one's gonna listen to this episode. I just have that feeling. Okay, research has estimated that the average penis size for an adult is 13.24 centimeters or 5.21 inches when stretched. For adults, doctors consider micropenis for a stretched penile length of less than 9.3 or 3.66 inches. Wow. When a person has a micropenis, their internal genitalia and testicles are usually considered to be normal. They're all balls and no shaft. <laughs> oh, I was thinking, I was wondering like, oh, where's he going? And then you surprised me. It was good. I... <laughs> you know, Nick, we've been doing this show for what? That would make it seem even now? smaller. Oh wow, this has a whole chart. Can you can you print it out or can you can you copy it and put it on our our our, our web page? A yeah, newborn uh, a newborn a newborn micro penis as two point four to two point five centimeters. Why someone was measuring this is really unclear. How are you going to measure like what well, anyway? Yeah, we should probably this this chart is fascinating. Yeah. If anyone really requests it, we can <laughs> we can request no. to have this deleted from the internet because I don't know why someone has done this. I I I was asking. We've been doing this show for a year, right? Pretty much? No. When do we start? June, July? No, like September of last year. Oh shit, really? No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think you're a couple of months off. I and feel I'm like not. at least July. No, it's wrong. Well, anyways, th- that conversation that we just had about micropenises was the most fascinating yet most disturbing thing I think we've talked about. Well, if you look at it from medical research, I mean, if you're researching it, like, you just got to do what you got to do. Like, somebody needs to find this out. Somebody's got to research micropenises. Might as- I mean, I don't know how that's uh, something that you grow up like. I want to learn more about this. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. If, if, if someone comes to you and says, listen, we will pay you 300 grand a year to study micro penises. Done. Uh, can we, can we, can we move on to something else? Yeah. What did, uh, what did the fish say when it ran into a wall? <laughs> I don't know. What did, what did the fish say? Damn. <laughs> I like these fish jokes. Are you ready for our top five? No, I have one more question. Oh God! All right. What What did you think of uh, of Game of Thrones last week? I mean, I thought it was actually a little bit disappointing. I thought it was disappointing because you had all these episodes and all these things that you were waiting for forever. Like you were waiting forever to see John ride the dragon, and then he just kind of gets on it, and it looks like the never ending story, and that's over. And you're waiting forever for for him to find out that he's a Targaryen, <laughs> and that's like, oh, by the way, okay. It just it was just. It didn't amount to anything. It was like this big buildup, and then, oh, there it is. It's over. Okay. So, so, believe it or not, I actually agree with you, and I said the same thing, and I was I was chastised by literally everybody that I've talked to it about, talked to the show about, because I said that it, it, was, it wasn't a letdown, 
but you know, I know you have to build things up. But my my uh, argument was, do you really did you really have to build anything up? Yeah, I thought I thought I just thought that it was you were waiting for these events forever, and then okay, it's over. I mean, it's never ending story part three. You said, yeah, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> I, I just wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't have, it didn't, the best part was, was Sam. Spoiler alert, by the way. So was Sam. That was the best scene of that whole episode. Was your alter ego, Samuel Tarley, getting all <laughs> bubbly just like you do when somebody sends you a text message. First off, I, I won't say what happened, but you would be the same exact way. All bubbly? Was, he, yeah, I mean, was he supposed to be laughing? Didn't have to go out like that. So uh, give me give me something that's gonna happen this Sunday. The episode will air. Here's, I, you know what? As soon as I fucking started that question, I knew you were gonna say something stupid like that. I don't I don't think about it. Now, this is my new thing. I don't think I don't watch trailers. I don't look at promotional shoots. I don't look at anything. If there's something that I want to watch or I'm interested in, I try to completely avoid every single thing about it. I don't even want to know the name of the movie I'm going to see. <laughs> well, that's terrible, and that sounds like usual. You do no research. I, you know what? That's what I'm going to start doing at the movie theaters. I'm just going to call up and say, do you have a movie playing at 6.15? And they say, no, we got one at 6.30. I don't care what it is. I'm just going to walk into it and see what it's like. Okay, this is what I'm watching right now. Except you already have your tickets for the Avengers, I'm sure. Yeah, that's going to be big. This this is the biggest. This April might be the biggest in terms of there's so many things going on because you've got Game of Thrones, you've got Avengers, you've got Veep, you've got the Star Wars. The last Star Wars trailer came out. Like there's so many long running stories that are ending. Um, I'm 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 more most excited though. Game of Thrones is at the top of the list, but the new movie with The Rock coming out, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. That's gonna be that's gonna be the big one of the summer. I think. <laughs> all right well uh moving on top five time yeah because i'm so enraged that you're blinded by your love of the rock those movies are dog shit oh my god just stop talking and let's move on they're dog shit they're not dog shit. They made over a billion dollars as a franchise that's what i don't understand about the rock it's like if i had his amount of money i would just what are you doing like, why are you killing yourself going all over the place doing this? I would just, if I made, what amount of money would you have to make before you just said, you know what, I'm disappearing from this earth? Oh, I mean, it wouldn't be a whole lot. I mean, whatever I think I could, shit, I think, I feel like I could live off five million, whatever. Yeah, if I hit five to ten, you would never hear from me again. I mean, I, I don't think I'd want to disappear, but like... You wouldn't hear from me every day, I tell you that. Well, I think that's the thing about those movie stars is that they need it, right? They need – it's not about the money. It's it's about the attention. Like they just – they can't get by without the attention. Well, I mean I think that's the rock through and through. I think because the fact that his football career was so damaging to his self-esteem, you know, I feel like he's always chasing that dream. And, he, you know, he's, he's lived it out through wrestling and now, you know, I think you can't – argue me argue the fact that he's the biggest uh movie star in the world no i would agree with that but he actually doesn't have any good movies it's, it's almost fascinating that i bet if you looked at it 
He is the biggest movie star without a Rotten Tomatoes rated movie of over, let's say, 70%. Like, none of his movies are actually good. It's all kind of like, all right, who can we get to star in this thing and make it decent enough? It's like The Rock. Get The Rock. Because he'll do anything. Well, I mean, the the remake of Rampage was pretty good. No. Uh, <laughs> Journey to the uh, Center, or what was Jumanji? Yeah, the center of the Earth. N- no. I mean, uh, give me a good movie. A legitimate, like, wow, wow, that's a good movie. Uh, Gridiron Gang. Never seen it. It was one of his earlier roles. It. Uh, I mean, it, it's actually really good. It's about... Uh, him and Exhibit, remember the rapper Exhibit? Then you lost me. Don't even, don't even continue to explain it. You're literally trying to tell me a movie with The Rock and Exhibit is a good movie. It, it is good. It's actually a really good, powerful movie. Can I continue, or you just want me to stop talking? I'm looking up the Rotten Tomatoes rating of it right now. If it's under seventy percent, you have to stop. Well, it probably is under seventy percent because you shouldn't listen to the critics like that. Thirty-seven percent. I mean, I'll stop talking, but it's a good movie. If you like The Rock at all, you should check it out. 37% is the Rotten Tomatoes rating of Gridiron Gang. Can you look up The Tooth Fairy for me? I just want to see what it is. That's probably worse. No, because we're not talking about this anymore. Are you ready for your top five? Or our top five? 22% by The Tooth Fairy, by the way. Oh, my God. Terrible movie. That is a terrible... (laughs) Oh, no, wait. There's two Tooth Fairies. The other Tooth Fairy, which is apparently a horror film, is 22%. The Rock's Tooth Fairy is 18%. It's even worse. It's even worse. And that's not quite low enough where you're going to watch it just to see how bad it is. Like, you got to get into, you got to get into single digit territory before that happens. All right. Are you ready for the top five? Are you finally ready for this? Okay. So our top five is top five people's names who just, as soon as you hear what their name is, you just you just know you're not going to like them. And then they end up being exactly what you thought they were going to be. So top five people's names that you just immediately like, oh, God, this person is going to be an asshole or a douchebag. <laughs> All right. So I'll kick it off. And uh, uh, so I, let me ask you first. Did you go with names like uh, like – stereotypes or did you pick individual names i did a little bit of both i think i have three individual names and then two kind of generalized categories of names all right so my first are uh it's it's a single name and it's anyone with the name of dale (laughs) dale yeah dale is pretty good yeah it's like hey you see dale over there and i can guarantee you that Dale is the guy smoking Marlboro Reds with probably more hair than he should have, wearing a cutoff T-shirt, Lee Dungarees, and he probably drinks Budweiser out of the can. Dale is also a guy that is chronically unemployed, and when he does get a job, he holds it for three to five weeks and then ends up quitting, or as he describes it, quitting because the managers just didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm glad you kind of agree with me that as soon as you hear Dale, you yeah. completely already know that person. Dale. Yeah, I agree 100% on Dale. My, <laughs> my number five is Tiffany. Oh, like starting with the singer and going all the way down, I agree with you. There's, there's a 100% chance that there is a lower back tattoo and a knife in someone's tires from Tiffany. <laughs> 
but this isn't from personal experience, right? No, I no. Well, I kind of maybe in high school there was a Tiffany. I think I don't really remember. It's a bonfire. Who knows what happens at bonfires? <laughs> Hope my wife Someone doesn't listen. Got lit to me. on fire. Tiffany. Tiffany. Tires. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee at every single strip club related business there is a Tiffany there. <laughs> Real name or fake name or both? Probably both. <laughs> Probably the kind of woman that goes, well, my real name is Tiffany with an I, so I'm going to put Tiffany with a Y. <laughs> What's or your number? Something completely different. Yeah, though. they'll be like, they'll throw them off the scent. What's your number four? Uh, so they're name, these names that end in IE, like Vinny, Johnny, Bobby, Philly. Like all these, most of them are like Italian surnames. So basically and, you're just making fun of all Italians. <laughs> but I was trying not to go there. <laughs> until you, you know, until you said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you kind of baited me and I, I, I just, you know, whatever. But like, do you not agree? Like, you know, you walk into a room and it's like, oh, there's Vinny, Bobby, <laughs> yeah. Patty. I, you know, look, I, I will get, I get what you're saying. You know exactly what that room looks like. And you know exactly what kind of place that room wants to look like. You know exactly what that room is drinking. It's going to be cranberry Red Bull all night. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, a little bit higher on my list, I think, are the the names of people who uh, you know will be drinking uh, Red Bull and Cran. But you're you're not too far off. No, um, my number four is people who have common names but spell them differently. I hate that. <laughs> Uh, like, like, for instance, like, I see some people that spell John, J-H-O-N. Yeah, that's just wrong. It, yeah, it makes no sense. Like, what are some of your examples? Um, I, like, somebody who has Aaron, but it's instead of, like, E-R-I-N, it's, no, it's Aaron, E-A-R-Y-N. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> just, you're not special because you spell your name like an idiot who doesn't know how to read. It's just, just get over it. Because then they always feel like that sense of entitlement that, no, I'm different because I'm Karen. K-H-R-Y-O-N. Karen. Like, no, you're not. Just, you're an idiot. I mean, you're getting a little heated over that. I'm um, just getting really upset about these things when people do stuff. And anyway, what's your number three? Uh, so my number three are uh, first names that have a single letter and then are hyphenated names like Dwayne or Deontay. Uh, Dwayne. I mean, what? Yeah, no, like O'Hara? <laughs> yeah, it's like, just say the fucking name. Why do you need no. apostrophe to be fucking special? No, I agree. Any, any, any attempts by a person to make their name special is immediately, immediately a red flag. Immediately. It's like, you know, I, I knew a guy in grade school, his name was D. Wayne, and it was D. Triple E. Wayne. Okay? He had three fucking E's. All right? And sure, I'm not entirely sure he got out of grade school, but at least he had a full fucking name. What is, right now, what are your chances that D. Wayne is in prison? Because I'm going to put it at 90%. Uh, it's actually not funny. But I'm pretty sure he could possibly be on the sex offender registry. Yeah, that's about right. That's about right. I have one great story about D-Wayne that will take up 20 seconds. We were playing 
Little League basketball in grade school. And <laughs> D. Wayne, for whatever reason, always thought it was funny to score baskets on the other <laughs> Sounds about right. The other team. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, D. Wayne never played, and he got so mad one time, he threw a chair onto the court and walked out. And I'm talking like, we're, we're like fifth graders. That sounds right for D. Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean with these names. Like you've predicted your child, your entire child's future with that name alone. I mean, even though, like I said, I still respect D Wayne a lot more than like D apostrophe Wayne. Just say the fucking name. You know, you don't need to, you know, be special. Is that your number three or what number are we on? That was my number three. My number three is a little bit like your Dale. My number three is Billy. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Billy is uh Billy's I a dumb like Billy, shit. <laughs> Billy's gonna go two ways. One, he's either gonna be really skinny and a complete redneck piece of shit, or two, he's gonna be some old guy sitting at the bar, like trying to relive his high school glory days. Yeah, there's no way you don't go right with Billy. Billy is also I'm gonna go ahead and say that Billy is the sole sole person who continues to buy overalls with only one strap on them. <laughs> Actually, I would add one name to people that do that. Yeah. It would be Martin. <laughs> yeah, Martin. I, I agree. Like, I feel like I run into well, a lot of Martins that have one-armed overalls on. Yeah, but Martin – see, now, Martin as a black guy, I like. Martin as a white guy, I don't like. But a black Martin is good. White Martin, not so good. I mean, for me, it's the same thing with Will. Oh, you like a black Will and not a white Will? Yeah. For I sure. agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I I would trust a black will more than I would trust a white will. <laughs> uh, so my number two is uh, girls or guys' names that are named after countries or continents. Oh. Like, like Asia or China. Yeah. Or- I agree with any of those. I was going to put this on my list, but I thought it would be too broad. That I was going to put on there anybody whose name is a proper noun, like I mean, sure, we, countries I okay or with, like opening it up that big forest, like any kind. If your name is a noun, if your name can be a noun, I think that's a problem. Apple, <laughs> cheese whiz, cheese whiz, underpants, <laughs> <laughs> like any kind of any proper name. Name is a bad one. My number two is girls with J names. Your Jennifer's, your Jessica's, your Julia's. Why are you hating on J names? My daughter has a J name. Yeah, but it's not that kind of J name. Like a Jennifer, you're going to run into problems with a Jennifer and a Jessica. You know you are. I feel like you're saying this from prior experience. I Every Jennifer and Jennifer that I know is a little bit problematic. <laughs> I know that, yeah, every Jennifer that I know is... is, is they they need a little help. So before I say my number one, I, I want to give two shout outs. All right. Okay. First, I want to say uh, continue, uh, uh, you know, doing what you're doing, putting this out on social media, and getting these top five suggestions. They're actually a lot of fun. Uh, and everyone keep commenting and blah blah blah. Number two is going back to Game of Thrones last week. There was a joke in that episode that I don't think anyone caught, except for me. So while I sit over here and laugh at my own joke, I just want you and everyone to, to you know, listen to it. So it's when Braun was with those three 
women. Okay. And I forget uh, who comes in. Um, Sir Ellen, I think, or whatever his name no, is. No, that would be uh, Kyburn. Yeah, Kyburn. Sideburn, go fuck yourself. Anyways, he's like, you know, we need you. You got to go, blah, blah, blah. You know, you got to get out of here, ladies. So they're walking out, and uh, Kyburn goes, yeah, the one has pox. She'll be dead within a year. And Bronn's like, what one? <laughs> they just keep walking. It was the – oh, it was so funny. It was hilarious. Everybody got that joke. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm the only one who got it because when I said it during the week, no one got it. They're like, oh. Yeah, it just wasn't funny. Anyways, uh, so my number ones, my number ones, my number one are weak names. Weak male names. Ooh. I'll give you some examples. Tucker. Yeah. Kyle. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not like a Frank or a John. Dylan? I would put Dylan on that list, too. Yeah, Dylan. You know, and then fuck Dylan's friend Gavin. Oh, yeah. I agree with you in that. I So, I was explaining this to my wife, because when we were going to name our newest son, who's now two months out, two months old, shout out to Riley, um, we were going to, she wanted to name him Dylan, and I said, no, you can't. You can't name him Dylan, because Dylan is kind of it's a weak male name. It's kind of the guy, like, Dylan is the guy that people get along with, but he's a little bit of a pushover. So is Gavin. It's just, that's how it works. And sorry if that's your name. I'm sure that you're the, you're the, you're the exception. But I know what you're talking about, like the weak male name where it's kind of the guy that, oh, uh, just, just take his. He's not going to care. That kind yeah, of guy. It's like, you know, like you're sitting in a room and it's like, introduce yourself. And it's like, you know, Tommy. William, you know, Mark. Hi, my name's Tucker. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Tucker. All right, what's your number one? This to me is, is is I just, when I see this, when I hear this person's name, I immediately know what I'm picturing. Probably going to have some sort of frosted tip haircut. Probably going to have some sort of bad, trendy shirt on. My number one is Derek. <laughs> Like a sweater vest or like a sweater as well? Yeah. Thinks he's cool because he drives a Mustang. That kind of, that's that's Derek. I have never met a Derek, in my personal opinion, I've never met a Derek that wasn't a douchebag. So I know two Dereks that aren't douchebags, but the rest of them can be douchebags. That's fine. What is the worst name that you've ever heard? The worst person's name you've ever heard? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, just off the top of my head. Well, because we're in a we're in a business where we're exposed to a lot of names. Yeah, I would say the most shocking name I ever heard was Placenta. <laughs> but the woman didn't spell it that way. She spelled it P L A apostrophe K or C A N T A. So it was like like Placenta. But it's placenta. Why would she think that spelling it incorrectly would somehow make it better that her name was placenta? I have no idea, but that's one that really sticks in my head. Like, I'm a traditionalist in the sense that, like, you name your kid something, like, from birth, like, that's going to follow them the rest of their life. No, it did. I think that's what you mean. We were talking about with this name. It really does dictate 
like what they're going to be like. I feel like the name somehow seeps into their core and just turns Derek into a douchebag. I should have put this on. This, these aren't first names, but like nicknames that people go by as their real names. Yeah, I don't know a lot of those. And most of the ones that I do know are family names where you kind of get, all right, I'll give you a pass. Okay. Like I, I, I hate going out somewhere and you're, you know, with others and they go, oh, hey, meet my friend Diesel. Yeah, you can't do that. All right, well, what's his real name? No, it's Diesel, man. We've been calling him that since he was six years old. Guy had Python since he was six. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, top five, vote for it. Top five. Uh, do you want to hear my worst name ever, or you just want to cut me out of the show? You already said your worst name ever. What was you? it then? Oh, no, no. I'm, no, I'm sorry. That's my fault. No, you said Derek. What was the worst name you've ever heard? Uh, I knew a person who the dad was John. And the wife was Veronica, so they named the kid Vajonica. <laughs> no, they did it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so where? Vajonica Johnson. <laughs> Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. I want to thank Dr. Janine Krippner for coming on. I want to thank you guys for listening. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Coming up on the next episode, we're kind of doing either a science theme or we're going to go into a little bit of a sports run. I really don't know. We'll find out together. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.